I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? I know. And welcome to the broadcast, folks. This is Michael Patton, and we are coming to you with Theology Unplugged, our normal Friday edition. And uh, we've got a special edition today, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes whenever we have a little news item we want to talk about, it's a special edition. Mm-hmm. Maybe something we don't need to be talking about. Sometimes those things that you write or talk about uh, kind of uh, rashly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are the ones that you regret. Regret. So the, somebody, this may never be broadcast because we'll regret it before it goes online. Yeah, or it goes online. What I usually do is I push publish and then I take it off about two hours later. Yeah, regretting, but I have to push the publish. So some of you will get this in your RSS feed, but then you'll go and be where was that, and it'll mysteriously disappear. That's right. Other people will say where was that, I'll say, but where it'll was, be where was what? Yeah, it'll be in the M universe though. Yeah. Nice. Which we'll talk about. Thanks. Nice. Thanks. I, I'm not going to talk about the M universe. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you, Never mind. You can talk about it if you have any clue what it is. <laughs> Again, Theology Unplugged, folks. This is um, a ministry of Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. And we've been doing Theology Unplugged now for about four or five years. So mm. we're on, you know, well into the hundreds in our broadcasts. But uh, Tim and I host yeah. the program. We get unplugged. You can find us at uh, www.reclaimingthemind.org. Look, listen to some older sessions if you'd mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. catch up to where we're at today. Sam is not with us today. Sam Storms. No. Where was he? I can't remember. Sorry, Sam. But we miss him, but at the same time, we're excited to be in the yeah. studio. Shout out to Sam here. Hey, Sam. Uh, we miss you, but now we can kind of get down to business, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to be careful about what we say anymore. <laughs> we can get more unplugged. <laughs> Sam causes us to plug up. <laughs> Um, uh, a few things we've got going on here at the ministry I'd like to draw your attention to. Uh, upcoming classes. Upcoming classes of the theology program start in two weeks, right? Yeah, Tim? well, less than two weeks. It'll be uh, September, the Tuesday, September 14th. September 14th. If you guys have not yet enrolled in the theology program, get enrolled. But we've also got the discipleship program, which the best way to describe that is is to get into the discipleship program is a little bit, um, uh, it's less of a commitment because you've only got 10 weeks total Mm -hmm. rather than like with a theology program where we're talking about um, uh, 60 weeks if you were to go through the entire thing. That's correct. The discipleship program is going to cover the basics of the Christian faith, so it's a basics of belief and practical living. That's great, yep. So that's a good one to get into. Also, we've got boot camps. Well, and that, real quick, that's discipleshipprogram.org. If you want to learn about it and sign up, we're almost full here at our location here in the Credo House in Edmond, but we do uh, have about uh, 50 spots left online before our online class is full. So we would really love to have you be a part of that. We're really excited about it. All right, get enrolled by going to... Our website. Do we, Just, have, do we well, have anything on the front of our website that announces this at reclaimingthemind.org? I don't think so. We uh, we stink at that. If we go to our store and click on enroll. Well, no, discipleshipprogram.org. Discipleshipprogram.org. That's the place to go to to enroll. How about the theology program? Yeah, you can go to the theologyprogram.com. Is there, does it take you automatically to the it'll take you. It'll take you where you need to be. Okay. Yeah. Got that. Also, folks, just real quick. 
We've got boot camps that we're offering. We're offering a boot camp here at the Credo House. A boot camp is, uh, we're doing the boot camp on interpretation here at the Credo House on what? The boot camp we're doing on September 25th is on Foundations of the Faith. Foundations of the Faith boot camp here at the Credo House. That is a Saturday. Saturday. We're taking four hours on Saturday morning and um, taking people through the foundations of the Christian faith, covering God, covering or the Trinity, covering Mm. Christ, covering the Bible, and covering man. Mm -hmm. That is a real easy way to get engaged. So if you're locally, please... Come join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I want to encourage all of you who have, over the years, thought about starting the theology program at your church, wanted to, wanted your church to, to get engaged in this way, to consider hosting a boot camp at your church. Because that is, that is a, a real easy way. It's, it's a very light commitment. You're just asking people to come for a Saturday morning and engage in theology for the entire morning. Mm-hmm. And, and we're finding that this is, this is a very successful way to get people interested. Yeah. The people that we've, we've taken through it, uh, we won't embarrass them by mentioning the people, but we've had, uh, entire church staffs go through it and just really be blown away and really love it. And last time I taught it, uh, at a local location that was, uh, not here at the Credo House, but last time I taught it there, a hundred percent of all the people, 60 people who came said now they wanted to get into the theology program. Mm-hmm. So good way, pastors, lay people, tell your pastors about it. Boot camp, you can go to BibleBootCamps.com. Bible Boot Camps. Mm-hmm. Not Bible Boot Camp, but Bible Boot Camps, right? That's correct. Okay, good. All right. Uh, let, let's talk, let's get into our subject for this uh, session. And we're going to talk uh, about something that came in the news yesterday, kind of made news around the internet and, and in a bunch of newspapers. And this mm-hmm. has to do with Stephen Hawking. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have already read about it, seen it some. We're going to try to talk about it here. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is theological. Yes. But I'm not a scientist. No, but but we should be interested in God's world. But it has an, enough philosophy for me to say yeah. we need to stop and talk about this because whenever it comes to uh, philosophy and theology, that's whenever we kind of pick up our banners and say, okay, now we can discuss. Yeah. Whenever it comes to the minute details of science, I back off. Yeah, we're interested. We want to know, yeah. but but we wouldn't consider ourselves experts. Okay, Stephen Hawking. What happened? I'm gonna uh, try to give you a fill in on this. Stephen Hawking has been. Has it has been said, and I don't remember where this has been said. You can mm. probably Google it or something. But it has been said that he is the smartest man in the world, hmm. most intelligent man. I think because he may have the highest recorded IQ that hmm. has ever been recorded. Wow! They've never recorded mine, so that uh, yeah, I'm in the mix. Yeah, I, I may have the lowest recorded IQ, and at the same time be a teacher. That's the kind of weird combination. Yeah. There, so. Well, it's because your IQ is so low that you're able to identify with. Uh, with other people, I guess, who's that, are that equally as low. Shot. <laughs> that was a cheap shot. But but the problem is that what my comments could have been misunderstood, that everyone has a low IQ. But I'm just saying, like, you set the bar low so uh, so that all of us can understand well, who are I, above I, you. I just try to do that as my part in the church and to be kind and identify transparent. We've got all these key buzzwords. But Stephen Hawking does not have a low IQ. Okay? No, that's right. He's got a new book coming out, and it's supposed to come out, I think, uh, September... 
later on this month, September 9th, I believe it is, is the release date, but it's called The Grand Design. This is his first major work in a decade. It's the reason why people are talking about it, why mm-hmm. it's a big deal, why they're searching through it to see what he has to say. Well, because if you think about it, if he's the smartest man living and he hasn't published a book in 10 years, he's been thinking a lot in the last 10 years, so it'd be, probably be interesting to find out what he thought about Well, he's got a lot to tell us. Yeah. So what does he say? Well, we've got to start off with Stephen Hawking. He's a lot like some of these other scientists that uh, he, he's not quite so militantly atheistic, but he's never been a fan of God necessarily. But he wouldn't necessarily fall in the camp of the new atheists such as uh, Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins. No, no, and I hope that he doesn't after this, that this is not, because I haven't read the book. Yeah. And most people haven't read the book, uh, but... I hope that this isn't trying to put him in that camp, which mm. I have some type of suspicion that he may be wanting to throw his, uh, what do you throw in? You throw your... Support? No, something into the You room. can throw the towel in, but yeah, that's, that's more <laughs> you're giving up, so you, th- you throw yourself well, in. He's throwing himself into the ring here and uh, getting in the fight. Um, so it's his first major work, and one of the things that I think everybody took notice of at the beginning is what he says about God. Mm. And the the headlines were, Stephen Hawking changes his view about God. Mm. Now, I kind of got excited at first because I thought, wow, he's going to come out and say, like uh, Anthony Flew did not too long ago, I think back in 2002, 2003, who was the British atheist, scientist-type guy, kind of the head guy for atheists in Britain, mm. came out and said that he believes in God now. Mm. So I thought, wow, yeah, uh, Stephen Hawking's going to come out and say he believes in God. Mm. Stephen Hawking beforehand, I think the best way to describe him would be a potential deist. Okay. Um, and not that he is a deist. Now, deist is one who believes that God created the universe... Maybe he's interested, maybe he's not, but he certainly doesn't himself doesn't involve himself in it. Yeah, and the illustration many people give is the watchmaker. So, you know, I can have a watch on my wrist, but the maker of the watch isn't daily coming by to do anything. He created it, but he's not he it almost as if he created it then went on vacation. Yeah, exactly. And so wound up the clock, let it go. Wound up the watch, let it go. So maybe he was that, and the reason why we would say something like that is because uh, not too long ago he said the universe is governed by laws of science. The laws may have been decreed by God, but God does not intervene to break these laws. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of his previous position. Which that would throw out much of the Bible. It would throw out uh, Christ because the watchmaker wouldn't come to redeem the watch. So so that's where a deist would be clearly not an orthodox Christian believer. No miracles, no intervention, no future heaven and earth. Yeah. It's yeah. just there seems to be, have to be a beginner. And de- deists are, I mean, this is nothing new. Uh, some of our fa- founding fathers were deists as well. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. It's nothing, it, it's kind of a scientific revolution religion. Yeah. It's, it's wanting to say that... Uh, God does not intervene. He created all the laws, the way that things function. 
and it just goes its own way. Okay, so that was the camp that Hawking was in uh, up to, until this, up, up until yesterday, really. So yesterday, what changed? Well, supposedly with there's a change. Supposedly okay. there's this big change, but I, oh, so what, we're trying to figure out what the change is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and really, I don't see much of a change. Okay. I, I from my point of view, I would still describe him as somewhat of a deist, mm-hmm. but he just describes it differently and uses different terms. But what he comes up and says is that spontaneous creation, this is in the book, right? Okay. Spontaneous creation, which is, I mean, creation from nothing by nothing. Okay. It, it, just, it just appears. Spontaneous creation is the reason why something rather than nothing exists, why the universe exists and why we exist. It is not necessary to invoke God. That's okay. what he says. Okay. So, so he seems at first glance to have changed his position. Beforehand, he was like more tentative. Maybe God did it. We just don't know. All mm-hmm. we can do is look at science and look at the way things are and observe. But now he seems to have some type of evidence that spontaneous creation is a reality. Okay. And this is this is this is the big question. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever it comes down to it. We can argue all day long about a lot of the details of science and evolution and and some of the things that we talk about, about the age of the Earth. But those things don't really do much from the if you're going to be an atheist. In the end, when you're backed into a corner, you've got to answer the most fundamental question that's ever been asked. Why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is it. Yeah, yeah. It's the most basic question. Why is there something rather than nothing? Okay, well, we, we may have gotten to the point where we can explain all kinds of things mm-hmm. outside of, without God, you know. Uh, and I'm not saying we have at all. I don't believe that we have, but let's just say we do. At the very end, even if you come down to that singular moment in history where the Big Bang occurred, you got to understand, you got to ask the question, where did that come from? Yeah. It, well, it's kind of the same question that you and I have to answer sometimes to people, and I think it's a valid question. If God created everything, who created God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and the assumption is that God, that everything must be created. There always must be a first mover, but then the question is, well, who is the first mover to that first mover? Yeah, that's right. That's right. If God is a is if God has started everything, if He spoke it all into existence, if He if you're going in this direction, ha, uh, was the big banger? Mm-hmm. Then, then where did he come from? Yeah. Well, and we would general we would look to the book of Isaiah. I would more than anything because in a, a couple places in Isaiah, he clearly says, "Before me there was nothing, and and after me there will be, before me no one, and after me no one." So he, so God in Isaiah is saying, "I am the only one. I I have been the only one. There will never be one before me or after me." Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that we look to. Whenever we're in our, ob- we've got our observation cap on, mm-hmm. and we're we're trying to understand the way things work. We look to physical laws. Yeah, we see that there's things that have been built into this universe that that govern, you know, that that are really the government of the way things yeah. happen. Yeah, like gravity. Yeah, um, and, and one of these laws that is very significant is this law of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that if something moves, let's just be real basic. If a if uh, you're at our pool table here at the Credo House and you see a ball moving, then you ask one question: What is that? 
What moved it? Yeah. I mean, well, my question would be, is it going to go in the hole? Actually, that's the question I would ask if we're playing pool. Well, let's just say nobody's playing pool, and you walk by it, and the ball's moving. Okay, you just see a ball moving. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Actually, my first question would be, what did I eat this morning? <laughs> or it would be, what did I drink? Or did someone slip me something? But but let, I'm not trying to break down your illustration here. What? You do that enough with me, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you play out this illustration. Well, in the end, you understand that something had to have moved it. Yeah. It's a fire yeah. start somewhere. You yeah. don't think, well, that just spontaneously generated. Yeah. And some of the firemen comes to our place, and, you know, our coffee machine was about to blow up yesterday. Yes. My, my favorite coffee machine. <laughs> um, and we won't get into that. But uh, Let's just say all coffee machines are working beautifully at the time of this broadcast. <laughs> Even mine? Do you, you want to describe mine as beautifully? Yours is, it's beautiful in its own way. Okay, good. good. Well, yesterday it wasn't quite so beautiful. It was smoking. Yeah. Okay, and we for a moment thought that it was going to combust mm-hmm. and we were going to be dead. Okay? Yeah. Well, I had already left the building. But. <laughs> I did, but I, but I was willing to stick it out. But let's just say that that did catch on fire. And then the firemen did come here, and, and they ask a question, do you know where the fire started? And I say, no, my theory is that it came from nothing. Mm. It, it just it, it just appeared, and there was absolutely no cause for it. And I would say, I would have come back and said, no, Michael was definitely the first mover because he wouldn't throw the, the, throw the machine away, and That's instead right. he That's plugged right. it in the light socket. Eventually you would find the cause. Yeah. And, and it'd be irrational if we lived our lives as if there was possibility that there were effects without a cause. So Hawking, though, is, is saying that in this book that he believes that there was a spontaneous movement, which spontaneous would seem to say... There wasn't a mover. Well, at is first, at first, this is what it appears that he's saying is that he's affirming something that can't be affirmed. He's affirming that the fire had no start. Mm-hmm. It, it had no source. It or had no even, cause. or even no substance. Right. So it'd be almost like there was a fire there, but there wasn't any wood there in the first place. There was I just walked upon a burning fire, but there was never wood. There was never a match. Never heat, and never it just spontaneously anything. a fire appeared without any any material. Yeah, there, there's the, the 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 billiard ball is moving, and nothing moved it. So it's like a recipe that's blank, but you end up with a pizza. Yeah, but at first, at first, that's what it appears okay. that he is saying. Okay, and, and he's saying that something can come from nothing. Now I have discovered that, but that's not really the case. We have an old saying. It's an axiomatic saying. It's a saying that uh, is is uh, standard because of the law of cause and effect. It's called ex nihilo nihil fit. Out of nothing, nothing comes. Mm-hmm. There's there's no way that nothing can produce something. It's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. irrational. We don't speak that way. We we would be placed in a in a funny farm. You know if uh, if we believed that things came from nothing. So where's the smartest man in the world going with this if he's making this statement? Well, he And under- is this the statement he's making? It's not. Okay. It's not. But that's what it appears at first. Okay. He says spontaneous creation can happen. But how he explains it, it seems to me, and I've only gotten excerpts from the book. Yeah. So I'm not going off the entire book. But what he seems to say is that, yes, our universe is governed by certain rules of logic. Fires cannot just start. 
though your balls cannot just move. There is an adequate explanation because the law, law of cause and effect that governs our universe. But we have this multiple universe theory, this idea that there are multiple universes out there. Okay. Now, don't think of this as multiple solar systems. Don't no. think of this as multiple galaxies. Think of this more in a in a sci-fi type way. Yeah. You know, we've got multiple dimensions, and in these other dimensions, things function completely different. Mm. I mean, even the idea to where you don't even have the same type of relationship between space and time and matter. Maybe space and time and matter don't even exist in these. And gravity, perhaps, too. Oh, sure. Gravity, yeah. for yeah. sure. Okay. Now, if we have an infinite number of universes that are out there possibly, you know, theoretically, then theoretically, one of these universes doesn't abide by the law of cause and effect such as ours does, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, in this universe, something can come from nothing. Okay. And therefore, that would give us an adequate explanation for the existence of our universe. Okay. Because our universe came from that universe, which came in, in its own laws, does not need previously existing material in order to produce it. So this M universe that he's talking about in this book is multiple universes that he's speaking of, and he's saying that, I, I, I think that that's a, a good way to look at it and to represent what it seems like he's saying is that there's another universe out there that doesn't apply, doesn't, work the same way our universe does and that's why our universe can be birthed from that one so to speak exactly i mean and, and you know, we're calling it a universe but the universe is probably the worst word to use for it because of all the associations that we yeah. have with universe it, you'd have to have a totally different name whole different sphere of existence yeah like a michael patton what verse michael patton verse i mean i'm just just giving it a random name. Okay, okay. <laughs> just, a, just a random name. We have a universe. They have a Michael Patton verse. Yeah, well, that would have associations with it, too, such as uh, brilliance. And, uh, <laughs> Everyone there would have an exceptionally high IQ. That's for sure. <laughs> because uh, they'd want to never have it. Humility, um, <laughs> able to uh, relate. Yeah. So yeah. too many associations. Let's just say no associations <laughs> right here. Okay. The point is, the point is this. He understands the need for a key term that we use very often in theology, which okay. is called transcendence. Okay. When we say that God is holy, we're, we're talking about him in many different ways. We say he's morally holy. You know, he's, he's separate from sin. Mm. But also, whenever we talk about him as being holy, we mean that he is completely separate from all things. He has no relation in his essence. Okay, and this is the key, in his essence... Uh, the, the stuff that he actually is, he has no relation to time, to space, or to matter. He doesn't find extension in space. He doesn't move in the same way we do. It's not mm. as if he has a hand or an arm or an eye or a brain or a foot. It's not as if uh, he moves and travels from one place to another on a daily basis. In his essence, he really is in a different universe. Mm. A completely different universe. And the reason why we say this is not only because we find it necessary whenever the Bible speaks of God creating all things out of nothing. Mm -hmm. you know, in the Hebrews passage, we must believe that he create, created all that is seen from that which is unseen. Mm -hmm. But also, philosophically, we have to say that God doesn't have any relation to these things because he created them. 
And if if he created them, then those things did not pre-exist their creation. Otherwise, we would be caught up in that hopeless dilemma of, well, then what created that? Then what created that? Mm-hmm. On and on we go. We understand that there must be a transcendent starting point, an unmoved mover, a, a one who, who doesn't have relation to the physical laws of our universe. God is not governed by the law of cause and effect, mm-hmm. since it is a corollary of time and space and matter. The reason why we have the law of cause and effect is because we've got space, we've got time, and we've got matter, all of which are part of the law in our observation. If God is not a material being, he is immaterial. If God is transcendent, if God is completely holy, then we never have to ask the question, well, what created God? Mm-hmm. That's a different universe, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different universe where the laws of our universe do not apply. Mm-hmm. We understand not only biblically, but also philosophically that that's the reason why God must be this. So, you know, pausing there and looking at what Stephen Hawking is proposing, it, it's kind of odd to me. Because in one sense, I say, you've got it. Mm. You get it. Mm-hmm. You understand that in our universe, something does not come from nothing. You understand transcendence, that there must be something that transcends what we see, know, experience, observe every day. There must be something above, beyond it, holy, separate mm-hmm. from our existence. And I, if I was to stop there, I'd say that's God. Mm-hmm. That's God. Okay, it's, it's a it's a very base definition for God. Yeah, but we'd say I mean that is orthodox God. That is not just a God, but that is the God that has been always believed. Uh, everywhere at all times throughout Christian history. Exactly, exactly. It's the it's the philosophical understanding of God that we argue for very often. Mm-hmm. But he just calls it whenever he says this and 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 frames it in different terminology. He says there must be another universe mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And if you really understand what he's saying, in some sense, he's saying there must be a creative force out there. That began all of this. The only thing he doesn't do, and what I would call on him to do, is to say, have you ever considered that this, quote, universe or creative force, this this mysterious, because you can't describe it, right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever considered that that is not only God, but this God has attributes of personality. He has attributes of of, uh, love. And he does engage himself in this universe. He does intervene. Have you ever considered that those things which we have been proclaiming about Jesus Christ uh, is representative of this God coming from another universe? We talk about Christ. We say Christ is an alien righteousness that has come to us on our behalf becoming man. Well, and I mean, it dwells and wells up within us worship of thinking what C.S. Lewis said, that the greatest mystery of our universe is how Christ can come and become a man 
and in in a way bridge those two universes mm. out of love for little ants in our universe on a small planet and recognizing that i mean that should make us worship our god more of not only that the smartest man stephen hawking it seems to be, even though he's denying it with his words, but the philosophy that he is constructing appears to be moving closer to what Christians for all time have always believed. Um, but it's also showing, I think, the magnitude and putting a little bit more color on the magnitude of of that God stepping into our time and place, and not just for fun, but for our sakes as yeah, well. Yeah, well, I think there's a bridge here, and this is one of the reasons why we do a broadcast on it. I think there's a bridge. I think there's something affirming in what Stephen Hawking has said. I think there's something that's drastically short of you know any type of Christian confession for sure. And I'm Definitely. Not to make well, him and, not to be a Christian. well, and we, I mean, we even started that by saying that he may be moving into the camp of new atheism even exactly so i mean in no way are we going to say that he's a christian or anything like that but what we're going to say is this is very interesting thoughts that he's having yeah and i wouldn't i I doubt if he was sitting here he would say you know okay i I agree my universe call it god you know but you know paul did paul in acts chapter 17 he's walking through athens and he sees all of these gods and he becomes disturbed and all of these altars and there's one altar there says to the unknown god Mm mm-hmm and in some sense, I feel like he has just placed up an altar. Mm. And he says, this is the unknown God. Mm-hmm. And, and our our hope is that Stephen Hawking does not suppress the truth and, and, and comes to the conclusion that this unknown God is the God who intervenes in time. Mm-hmm. He does come from another universe, yes. The universe completely different than ours. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the multiple universes. I care about this one that Stephen Hawking says everything was birthed from. Yeah. And that one is the one that I find interesting. And in the end, where is Stephen Hawking? He is, I think, where he began. I think he's a deist mm-hmm. because that is kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. This other universe, from his standpoint, does not intervene. Mm. does not do anything it birthed everything yeah it's mysterious it may not even be a personality it it just might be this universe that somehow just accidentally birthed this other universe and then he's a pantheist or an entheist yeah Yeah. either one of those but it's interesting news and i thought it was something interesting for us to bring up until we get back uh next time with uh sam Mm. or in a couple of i think it's gonna be in two weeks before Mm. we get back with sam Mm. But it's a kind of uh, one of those ones to stop and look. What is the world doing? What is the world saying? And how does that relate to our faith? And kind of getting unplugged about it. Mm. All right, Good folks. Uh, glad you were able to join us. I uh, pray that you found this uh, beneficial and hope that you can join us next time. Don't forget to get get with your pastor, get with your church, and get scheduled a boot camp. Call up here at the Credo House. CredoHouse.org. Call us up and we'll give you all the information you need. God bless you, and have a good day. You have been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. These broadcasts are made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For more information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit our homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.